You are listening to the Morning Breath Podcast. Please enjoy today's show, hosted by Pastors Matt and Jessica Stahlbaum. Hey, welcome to Morning Breath, your drive time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. I'm Matt, and this is Jessica. Hi. What's up, Jessica? (laughs) Welcome to Morning Breath. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. We're so glad to have you, whether you're listening on the radio or our video cast on our East Coast Christian Center YouTube. Uh, We have all the ways to watch and be a part of it. And Morning Breath is simply a time where we take one chapter of the Bible and we read it together. And we just talked about what God breathes morning breath on it uh, for us individually. And uh, I learned so much more just hearing Matt's perspective and the other hosts that we have on morning breath, their perspective of a chapter versus just my own thoughts. Yeah. Same. I learned a lot from listening to you too. Yeah. So it's uh, Monday and we are in the third and final week of our fast. We have been in 21 days of seeking as a church and we've been following along with our devotion and our uh, new vision statement of this year is love God, love people, love life. And we're in the love life section started a couple days ago this week three, how to love life with Jesus. And uh, we're going to be in Galatians chapter one today. So we're going to read Galatians one. We're going to read the devotion. We're going to do the questions together uh, with you. And before we get into that, um, I have just been loving the messages that we've been doing at church lately. We did uh, love God and then we did love people and love life. And it's just been awesome. Yeah. So we just finished love life and it's really all about love life now. Like now's the time to start. Don't wait for life to get better. Don't live in the regret of the past, but get going right now. So important. So important because you said this and we read this together in a C.S. Lewis book as well, but uh, the enemy just wants to keep us focused on the past or the future, which I'd never really thought about that because the future is always like, yeah, it's so there's so much promise in the future and so much hope. But when we're doing that, we're keeping our eyes off the present and what God wants to do today. Like his mercies are new every morning. And so when we are focused on something ahead of us, we are not really able to see what is in store for us That's today. right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Now is the time and let's let's go for it. Let's do it. We're going to read from Galatians chapter one. And uh, yeah. why don't you go ahead and read? Okay. I think I'm going to read all of it because it's not that long. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Galatians one. Paul, an apostle, not commissioned and sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace, inner calm and spiritual well-being from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a sacrifice to atone for our sins, to save and sanctify us, so that he might rescue us from this present evil age in accordance with the will and purpose and plan of our God and Father." To him be ascribed all the glory through the ages of the ages. Amen. I'm astonished and extremely irritated. I love this, by the way. Paul is like, does all the like the welcome, hi, this is great, Jesus is awesome. And then he instantly, because he's writing a letter to the church in Galatia, he goes, I am astonished and extremely irritated (laughs) that you are so quickly shifting your allegiance and deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different, even contrary gospel, which is really not another gospel. But there are obviously some people masquerading as teachers who are disturbing and confusing you with a misleading counterfeit teaching and want to distort the gospel of Christ, twisting it into something which it absolutely is not. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we originally preached to you, let him be condemned to destruction. As we have said before, so I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel different from that which you received from us, let him be condemned to destruction. Am I now trying to win the favor and approval of men? I don't think so. Or of God? 
Or am I seeking to please someone? If I were still trying to be popular with men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. For I want you to know, believers, that the gospel which was preached by me is not man's gospel. It is not a human invention patterned after any human concept. For indeed, I did not receive it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a direct revelation of Jesus Christ. You have heard of my career and former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to hunt down and persecute the church of God extensively and with fanatical zeal, tried my best to destroy it destroy it. And you have heard how I surpassed many of my contemporaries among my countrymen in my advanced studies of the laws of Judaism, as I was extremely loyal to the traditions of my ancestors. But when God, who had chosen me and set me apart before I was born and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles as the good news, the way of salvation, I did not immediately consult with anyone for guidance regarding regarding God's call and his revelation to me. Nor did I even go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and stayed a while and afterward returned once more to Damascus. Then three years later, I did go up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, Peter, and I stayed with him 15 days, but I did not see any other apostle except James, the half-brother of the Lord. Now in what I'm writing to you, I assure you as if I were standing before God that I am not lying. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown by sight to the churches which were in Christ in Judea, Jerusalem, and the surrounding region. They only kept hearing, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the good news of the faith, which he once was trying to destroy. And they were glorifying God as the author and source of what had taken place and all that had been accomplished in me. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I'm just going to jump out there and uh, talk about here. In verse 17, uh, he returned to Damascus. And just that little, ah, like, wow, okay, because when you go back and look at Paul on the way to Damascus, when Mm -hmm. he was going to persecute Christians, he met the Lord. And Damascus is in Syria. I believe it's the capital of Syria, actually, right? Yeah, maybe. Possibly. Most likely. (laughs) We stood on the border of Israel and looked into Syria, Mm -hmm. and we saw that way to Damascus. A A a, sign that said, Damascus this way, however many kilometers. Right. And that was his, he was going into Syria to, you know, torment the church, to persecute the church. And on the way, God got a hold of him. He ends up in Damascus at some point, we see here. But instead of persecuting the church, he's learning and he's growing Mm -hmm. uh, from the leadership. And what I want to just say is that God uh, has different plans than us often. We have these plans. We have these thoughts. We have these ideas. We're like, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what's going to happen in the world. This is how the answers are going to come. And we're seeing it our way. We're seeing it, you know, really blinded by our limited knowledge and understanding. Sometimes we're blinded by selfishness. Sometimes mm-hmm. we're blinded by fear, by pride, all sorts of things. But God's got a plan. And it's even, even if we think our plan is good, his plan is always better. Yeah. And so basically, Paul's plan to go and torment Christianity, God's plan was like, ah, actually, I'm going to make you the biggest mouse mouthpiece for mm-hmm. Christianity that the world will really have ever known for the next 2,000 years. Be- besides Jesus, Paul has the biggest uh, voice in Christianity. Plot twist. Like, so... Major. <laughs> I don't know about you, but there's been plenty of times where I've had this plan. Well, I do know about you. You've told me about <laughs> these things all the time, and I know you pretty well. But <laughs> I have had some plans, y'all, and... I was dead set. This is what's going to happen. This is who I'm going to be. This is what I'm not going to be. This is what I'm not going to do. 
And here we go. And the Lord has me in places now that I never, ever thought I would be, honestly. Like, yeah. never thought that I'd be able to do some of the things that I'm doing and uh, never thought and thought the opposite. Like, I'd never do some of the things I'm doing mm-hmm. right now. And here I am. And it's like God took maybe my Damascus or he takes your Damascus. He takes your place where you've had these certain plans um, there's a verse, uh, a man plans his way in his heart, but the Lord directs his steps. Yep. Proverbs something or other. Okay. Yep. We have to look that up, but you plan your heart. But if you give your life to Christ, he will actually do, uh, direct your steps. So you can trust that, Hey, I got this plan, but I've given the bigger plan over to the Lord. I'll let him change my ways, show me new ways. And really the quicker you humble yourself and yeah. say, I was wrong, mm-hmm. um, the quicker you can get moving forward in God's plan. Yeah, I think humility is the key to all of it because I think sometimes we really do feel strongly about something or a direction or a decision, but if we are always at the end of it, we make our plans, but we say, God, you direct our steps. We submit this to you. We surrender this to you. This is what we're feeling. If there's any other way, I say it all the time, close the door. God, if you're, especially on like big things, like we're going to buy this house, close the door, Lord, if it's not for us. You know, yeah. we've seen God do that. He moves and Or like even going to buy like a car, you you may think, oh, this car is great. It's the, you know, I've checked it out. I've got the Carfax. I've done all the things. Uh, but you don't know if that car is about to throw a rod. Like yeah. no one knows, God but knows. God knows. And I mean, there was a time, I'll just tell a quick story about that. I was, I was trying to buy a car and I was looking, looking, looking and, you know, uh, we saved up the money. I'd even received like a pretty incredible oh, gift, crazy. a blessing. Someone yeah. someone gave our family $5,000 out of nowhere. It was crazy. Like we had just been saving and saving and trying. We were to trying debt to do free. debt free. Mm-hmm. We had a plan. Like we felt like the Lord told us to be debt free. Don't get into debt. Mm-hmm. So with Dave Ramsey and all of that, we went for it. And then someone just lays $5,000 in our lap, like out of nowhere, you know, it was incredible. And I, every time I'd go to buy a car, it was like hail damage, uh, smells like smoke. Uh, the you know the belts are screaming when you turn it on. I mean, we're just we're, I'm going all over Orlando, everywhere. I, so I I meet a person, you know, my neighbor. He's really good at buying cars. He said, "Look, before you buy your next car, just pray and ask the Lord to kill the deal if it needs to be mm-hmm. killed." And he explains like he's bought a lot of cars. He's prayed. God's killed deals. He's made deals happen. He's made a bunch of money doing that. And so it's like, okay, so I go to buy this car in Orlando and I offer the guy what he's basically asking for it. He agrees, like, okay, yep, you can buy my car. And then it just took a really weird turn. But the thing, I walked away before all of this happened. I said, Lord, if this is a bad deal, kill it. Mm-hmm. So I said, here's the money. And I go to hand and I have cash. I brought cash from the bank. I said, here's the cash. I got cash. And he's like, whoa, whoa, what's that? I was like, cash, Money? you know, like, like, here you go. <laughs> I was like, if you're concerned about the, uh, you know, if it's the counterfeit, yeah. why don't we go to the bank? The bank will make sure it's right. They'll count it all. They'll take care of it. And we'll, we'll go that way. And he's like, well, okay. Um, he's like, but I've uh, got to go get my lawnmower. Is that okay? Um, can I go get my lawnmower in the car? And so I was like, yeah, that's fine. He goes, Oh yeah, and I he was a pilot, so he's like, I've got to work for two or three days. And so I didn't want to bring my other car to the airport. I wanted to bring this car to it's the airport. It's just a lot of weirdness. And um, I was like, and it just hit me. I just prayed God kill the deal. 
he, he didn't want to take my money. He didn't even want to sell me the car. He's like, could you come back in like three days and then buy the car? And I said, you know what? No. I said, uh, that's not the right car for me. I appreciate you, you know, you trying or whatever. And I left from that point. Um, the guy that told me to pray that prayer found a car for me at a bank auction for $10,000 less than what it was worth. Mm -hmm. I ended up paying $10,000 for a car that, or a truck that was worth $20,000. And the day I bought it, it was worth $20,000. I paid $10,000 for it. I drove it for three years and then I ended up selling it for almost uh, $9,000 more than I paid for it after three years of owning it. And it helped us buy a house. And I was able to take that money and buy our house yeah. that we bought in Levitt Park when the, when the housing market crashed and you could buy houses for $40,000, $50,000. We ended up taking all that money from that truck, putting it into our house, being able to pay that house off right away. you know. And yep. it was a major blessing all because we said, God, you know, we don't know. Kill the deal. So important to be spirit-led in every decision because it, it has that ripple effect. Like that decision affect that decision affect that decision. And yeah, yeah it's always worth it. Um, I mentioned this while I was reading, but in Galatians 1 around verse 1 through 5, he's you know greeting everyone and saying grace and peace to you and talking about how Jesus gave his life for them and all glory to God. And then he just like quickly gets right to the meat of the matter and says, I'm astonished and extremely irritated that you were so quickly shifting your allegiance and deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different and even contrary gospel, which is not really another gospel. And he talks about false teachers and false prophets and people that are masquerading as teachers of Christ, but who are twisting the gospel. And this could be written right now. I mean, the Bible is alive and living. It's active. And it could be written right now. I was actually just watching the other day um, a YouTube debate between uh, what would what they were calling progressive Christians, and then they were calling the other side, uh, quote unquote, conservative Christians. And um, they were having this debate, and they were talking about different issues, and a lot of them were social justice issues. And but what shocked me was that all of the progressive Christians uh, openly admitted that they do not believe that the Bible is God's word, that it is not inerrant without error, that the words of Paul, like we're reading right now, are only Paul's words, which leads, if you're thinking that way, if they believe that way, that leads it, leaves it open to complete interpretation and misinterpretation. If you are not taking, and I think it's First Timothy, it says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, equipping, exhorting, um, encouraging, correcting, and training in righteousness. And so if you are not looking at the whole entirety of Scripture as God's Word, what is your basis of truth? Like, how irritating. Well, like, it's, you, for them, it's progress. Like, And that's the problem with it. They, they basically base their morality on progress. And so if they believe it'll bring progress, they can put it into the baseline of their morality. And that's the problem with it. If it's, you're watching, uh, if you're listening on the radio right now, you should go to our YouTube and see my eyes. They are massively like, big because Prague, I'm what? so mad. <laughs> it, it, I wrote in my notes, I'm like, talk about irritating. Like Paul said, this is extremely irritating. And it's extremely irritating to me because- what you're doing, what they're doing, and what they're choosing to do is picking and choosing what works for them in the moment, in their context, in their agenda. And what this one guy said, I wrote it down, one of the conservative Christians, um, he said, when you're saying the word of God is not absolute or sovereign, you already have an agenda. 
and you're trying to fit the Bible into that agenda. But without the gospel, people are going to hell. And that's a very serious issue, more serious than sexual orientation or aborted babies. And those are very serious issues. But this issue of people going to hell, the issue of taking the gospel and perverting it, watering it down, making it progressive— like, there's nothing progressive about it. It is the word of God. It is inerrant. And it's there actually needs regressive to be. because you're moving away from the gospel. Yes, it is completely just false. And it, it just, it makes me really sad. And it makes me just like, we have got to wake up and we need to know why we believe what we believe. We need to know the Bible. We need to be solid in our faith, in our understanding of it, of in our conviction that it is the Word of God. And um, we need to know the gospel. The gospel in its, is pure, purely good news. It's the too-good-to-be-true good news that Jesus came to die for all, that salvation is for all, but that there is only one way to the Father, and that's through the name of Jesus. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The other thing I noticed in this debate was— um, they all mentioned, the people who called themselves progressive Christians, all mentioned that they had hurt from a church at some point in their life. And it was like they were in what they would call a very maybe rigid or legalistic or conservative church, and then they got hurt by the church, and now they've progressed their views, or regressed is really true, um, to this point of, it's not even the gospel anymore. It's not even it's not even Jesus. It's not even the Bible. It's their... their, their whatever, their own opinion about it, which has nothing to do with it. And I just think like, if you, if they allowed a church or someone in a church or someone, whatever, to hurt them that deeply to make them walk away from their faith, like what was their faith to begin with? They obviously had the church or that person in a improper place in their life. Like they had too much, um, uh, what's the word? Too much weight. For this person, like the weight of the weight of the word, the weight of the Bible, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, your relationship has to trump everything. It has to be above everything. If someone hurts you, like welcome to the world. Everyone is going to be hurt at one time or another. That is why there's grace. That is why the well, that's grace. Why the of Bible God came. says to forgive. Yes, that's why. If you knew your Bible, you forgive, walk in love. You know that when you allow bitterness. And envy, that's where every evil work begins. And so it just really fired me up to, to think that we have got to know the Bible. Yeah. Here's something that you're going to notice, and we should probably jump in the devotion because you promised that we would. I did. I'm so okay. sorry. You're going to notice this, that for there's a certain segment of the world, uh, especially with the elections, um, now that they've officially moved on last week, that there's some people's worlds that ended like everything and the foundation of their lives uh, really stood on Donald Trump being the answer, president Trump. And uh, it, so what's, what ends up happening is when your world ends, um, there's a certain group of Christians that will say, now the world is ending. They'll say my world's ended. So it must mean we're the now world. in the end of days. Yeah. Like, and you'll see a lot of fear mongering. You'll see a lot of, you know, prophecy given about the world is ending. Um, I saw this. Uh, I saw this when President Obama was elected. The same kind of fear mongering. The same kind of, you know, just my world ended. Oh, I I lost. Ah, like now the world is ending. And let me tell you why it says that in the Bible. And we are constantly in the last days. Like literally, we the, we've been in the last days since we were born. And I don't know when the world's going to be over. Um, 
No, no one does. No one knows the day or the hour. The Lord hasn't told us that. He He won't. We'll know when we know, right? And so mm-hmm. we can see some of the signs, as the Bible says, but uh, you know there will be some signs of the times, wars, rumors of wars, and all these things. Well, those have been going on for quite a long time. Just because your world is quote-unquote over doesn't mean the world is over. And so don't listen to those people. Do not listen to false teaching. And what one of the keys to false teaching is this, is that one day it's all going to be fixed. Like, hey, we're waiting for this day to happen, and then we'll have the answer that we need. Like, hey, this is going to happen on such and such day. And and then when that happens, then, man, we're going to be in victory. We're going to, it's going to happen. We're going to, woo, yeah. So we're waiting for this day where there was 88 reasons in 1988 or a Y2K when the world was going to end then or, mm-hmm. or whether it was January 20th when, you know, like all the stuff people thought were going to happen didn't happen. And, and that's false teaching, false prophecy, um, because here's the thing. Now is the day of salvation. Now yeah. is the day mm-hmm. that God is ruling on his throne. Today is the day. We don't have to wait for a day. We got it right now. Yep. And Jesus is on the throne. He's the King of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. In fact, uh, the king's hand is like water in his hand. He can just move it wherever he wants it to go. It's like a stream. He can direct it in any direction he wants. And so those are the kind of things that we have to realize. God is in. God is the king of of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the king of presidents, of emperors. He's the Lord of dictators. He's the Lord of senators. He is above them all. And so- And all of that, and yet he is the king of our heart. Yeah. Like personally, our heart, my heart, he is the king of my heart. And he loves me so much that he cares to speak to me personally when I draw near to him. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. There has to be this reciprocal relationship. And I- I think twenty the year twenty twenty, even the first couple of weeks of twenty twenty one, like it should drive us to the heart of the Father. It should that that should be, and I encourage you. If it hasn't been, I get it. I get it. I've had plenty of freak out moments in the past year, in the past week. Like at the end of the day. God is still on the throne and he is the king of my heart. He's the king of your heart. If you've made him Lord of your life and he loves you and he cares for us so personally and some trust in chariots, some trust in horses in Psalm 20, but we have to be different. We have to trust in the name of the Lord, our God, and he has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I think we need that reminder more than ever. I think so too. Yeah. You know, the verse in uh, the verse right here in Galatians that we're locking into for the devotion is Galatians 1, 15, and 16. And it talks about Paul being set apart in his mother's womb uh, to for the glory of Jesus to be real, revealed through him mm-hmm. and his son to be revealed to him. And I think that's just another reminder that you, if you would have seen Paul grow up, he didn't grow up reflecting Jesus. He grew he grew up reflecting Judaism, mm-hmm. and he didn't know who Jesus was. And then he became a zealot Jew who was taking the law and, and going and arresting Christians and tormenting the church, totally against Jesus. You could have never seen that this person, Paul, who was called Saul at the time, was going to do anything for the Lord. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's so hopeful uh, for our lives, for 
lives of our leaders and government. Mm-hmm. Like we may not be able to see like God ever getting a hold of that person. How is that even possible? It's possible. Trust Absolutely. me. Absolutely. God, and that's why the Bible says we need to pray for our leaders mm-hmm. and we need to pray for those in authority over us because you what what can God do with a religious zealot like Paul? He can transform him into the largest mouthpiece be, uh, besides, you know, after Jesus yeah. for the gospel. What can God do with some of these people in leadership who are, say, running from God at full speed? They take a turn. Uh, now, man, I, you know, some of these people, if they started talking about Jesus, you'd be like, come on, you know, like, you know, think of the most famous singer in the world or the most famous actor in the world or the most famous politician in the world. If they start bringing God into it, yeah. Jesus, man, people are going to be like, whoa, what's happening? You know, like, yeah. maybe I should listen, you know, like, whoa, what's going on? Um, I just think that we just don't want to put those things past the Lord. In fact, when we stood on the border of Syria, we stood there thinking, Paul, a, you know, terrorist in his own way, tormenting the church, got saved. And we're looking at, in Syria, this is when ISIS was running around. Uh, still having, you know, had some power and authority. So about four years ago, uh, I believe it was mm-hmm. it three years ago. Yeah, three. And uh, wow, if God could do it for Paul, he could do it for an ISIS terrorist. Oh, yeah. And we're just like, we're blown away by that thought. We, I mean, being Americans, it's just like ISIS is like, oh, no, ISIS, like, ah, but standing there realizing that we're in, we're near the place where God got a hold of Paul. Of Paul. Yeah. He can get a hold of anybody. That's right. And I just want to bring that hope to you right now. God can get a hold of whoever you might be afraid of or might be frustrated about. Yes. God can get them. So that's why you should pray for them. That's right. Fix your eyes on Jesus and then pray for the people that need prayer, which is all of us. That's right. We hope you guys have a great day. We didn't get to the devotion really, but we hope that you get online. Yeah, you need to get on it. Read it now. Come on. Yeah, go read your devotion. It's fun. It's a really good one. All right. We love you guys. Bye. You are listening to the Morning Breath Podcast from East Coast Christian Center. Please enjoy a word from our sponsors. At East Coast Christian Center, we are building a life-giving church that lasts. We are one church in many locations with campuses in Merritt Island, Vieira, Coco, and an online campus that you can attend from anywhere. Here at East Coast, we value each generation and work hard to ensure that no matter what age or stage of life you're in, there's a place for you in our family. You weren't meant to do life alone, so come and find your church home with us. You can plan your visit or get more information online at eccc.us. Barfield Contracting and Associates is a fully licensed and insured roofing and building contractor. They are located in Cocoa Village, but service all of Brevard County and surrounding communities. They also offer military and senior discounts and free estimates and appreciate every opportunity they are given. 321 454 4531. That's 321 454 4531. Barfield Contracting, treating you like family. Are you a young adult between the ages of 18 and 29, seeking community and an opportunity to press into the Word of God on a deeper level? Join us at Mezzanine, Sunday nights at 7. Experience powerful and impacting messages alongside like-minded individuals that are passionate about pursuing the heart of God. Download the Mezzanine Church app or visit mezzanine.church to get plugged in. Hi, I'm Scott Langston. I'm a broker associate who has specialized in commercial real estate for the past 27 years. I sell real estate for Remax Elite. 
I give free broker price opinions to anyone selling real estate. If you are looking to buy or lease real estate, I will represent you at no cost to you. My phone number is 321-403-1111. My website is scottlangston.com. Go out and make it a great day. Pineapple Garden, assisted living facility located in Rockledge. Affordable care with daily activities and a friendly 24-hour staff, making sure you or your loved ones are safe and secure. Find them online at pineapplegarden.com. For over 30 years, CB Plumbing has been a family-owned and operated business that is dedicated and proud to serve the Brevard County community. CB Plumbing offers both drain and sewer line cleaning for commercial and residential. CB Plumbing for all your plumbing needs. 321-783-6000. That's 321-783-6000. Customer satisfaction is their guarantee. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Morning Breath podcast. If you did, we would love for you to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend. To follow along with our daily chapter list and for quick access to East Coast podcasts, events, and more, download the East Coast app. It's the best way to stay connected with everything East Coast. We would also love for you to join our online community. Just search for East Coast Christian Center on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening to the Morning Breath podcast.